Mashup, your number one search for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and the countdown to the best time of the year has truly begun. Because, sure, the Super Bowl itself is great, but nothing beats March Madness. It It is kind of the last gateway to spring, because it comes right before opening day. Hopefully baseball gets their shit together, and that can be the case this year. That's a whole other discussion that uh, might come later. Uh, it probably won't, because there's not too much to talk about. I'll, I'll just get to it here. There's been some progress, finally, but uh, they've already canceled a bunch of spring training games through, like, the middle of March. And baseball just generally needs to get their shit together because Rob Manfred is an idiot and should not be commissioner of baseball. But I've had that discussion on this show already, so let's get into the actual thing I wanted to talk about first, college basketball. The NFL season is officially done and dusted. We're still about a month out from free agency starting. Eh, a little under a month, three weeks from free agency starting. So uh, in my eyes, college basketball takes center stage. The Olympics are over. The NBA and the NHL are both coming back from their respective all-star breaks, more or less. This point of the year is kind of like, eh, it's really March and April where things start to ramp up because we're getting close to playoff time for both sports. So it is in this time of year between the Super Bowl, the after the Super Bowl and March Madness, where college basketball truly takes center stage. And, oh boy, did we have a a pretty interesting weekend. Wasn't a whole lot in the way of actual upsets. It was just a lot of really good games where the favorite did win, but they had to put up a fight to do it. Like, like Illinois, Michigan State. That was an awesome game. That's two ranked teams, both of them in the top 20. Same thing with same thing with Texas Tech and Texas, which like the the game in Lubbock was so much fun to watch. <laughs> just because the entire Texas Tech fan base seemed to have just like every student of Texas Tech made their way into that arena and lost their mind every time something went even kind of wrong for Texas. And they made the trek out to Austin to kind of take over the game at Texas this weekend. And of course, Texas Tech won. Because, look, I liked Chris Beard when he was at Texas Tech, but it's true. He kind of has a Bobby Knight style of coaching, which uh, isn't necessarily relevant anymore. But... The big, big game on Saturday, uh, at least in terms of the result itself, was Auburn and Florida. Number two, Auburn taking on unranked Florida in Gainesville, which uh, let's um, like let's just say it. Uh, Auburn should have won that game. They did not play to, they did not play up to their potential at all. They shot pretty terribly from the floor, but so did Florida. And they were actually, they were actually better at the free throw line. Oh no, that's Auburn. Auburn was better at the free throw line. They shot better from the floor. They out-rebounded them. They had less... To- they had uh, they had more turnovers. Here's the big one. Points in the paint. 26... Yeah, this is weird. 26 points in the paint for Auburn. 14 points in the paint for Florida. Oh, because they were shooting 10 to 25 from three. I watched this game. This game was weird. And... 
it was close the entire time, more or less. Like, there were times where Florida would pull away, then Auburn would come back, and they'd start to build a lead, and then Florida would come right back. It was, it was a very weird game. But the entire time I noticed, um, Auburn did not look like the number two team in the country in that game. They didn't look like that against Georgia a couple weeks ago either, but they managed to win that game because Wendell Green hit a freakish, a freakishly clutch shot. Problem is, they rely way too much on him. Like, they are so heavily reliant on Wendell Green playing hero ball. I mean, they're going to be, they're probably going to be a one or a two seed in the tournament. And I don't think they'll get it out. They'll get out of the first weekend. Now, if they're a one, they will probably win their first round matchup because I think it'll be a while before we get another UMBC. I know, uh, I know friend of the show, John would be very happy to, uh, have another team join that not so prestigious club. To uh to be the team to lose to a 16 as a one seed. But I think unless unless it were to be the exact same situation as Virginia, where Wendell Green gets injured in the SEC tournament or something, like I could see a scenario where Auburn does enough over the course of the rest of the regular season to earn a one seed, but at some point during the SEC tournament, Wendell Green gets injured. And he's not going to be able to play in the tournament. And some plucky 16 seed who's just loaded down with seniors and has a really good coach goes out there and they could beat them. Like I could I could see that situation. Just just some like 16 seed that is absolutely loaded down with seniors. And has a really good coach, like maybe, like that that could happen, but at the same time, probably not. I I don't think that's happening again, at least not for a very long time. But yeah, I I do not trust Auburn. I'll I'll obviously have to see the bracket, but. I don't have them winning. I probably will not have them winning the 1-8 or the 1-9. Almost guaranteed. Like, there's a good chance I will not have them winning the uh, the 8 or the 9 game. Because they're... And if they're a 2, depending on who that 15 is, I might just pick the 15 straight up. Like, we'll, we'll obviously have to see the bracket. We're still about a month... A little under a month away from Selection Sunday. And we'll have to see the bracket. I think right now there are two last I saw. So depending on who that 15 is, that 15 might win. If, especially if Green doesn't have a good game, like they're, they're so overly relying on him. And of course that got overshadowed by just an absolute mess of a situation in Madison, Wisconsin where Juwan Howard absolutely lost his shit on Greg Gard and the west of the and the rest of the Wisconsin coaching staff after the game because Gard called a timeout with like 10 sec 10 20 seconds left up 15 Now sure it's generally accepted it's generally accepted that you don't do that but we don't talk about the fact that Jawan Howard was pressing. Like, sure, if you're going to coach your guys to play till the final whistle, I'm going to coach my guys to play till the final whistle. Why is it on Greg Gard to stop coaching because his team is winning? And of course, like, sure, as a residual Maryland fan, like, I, I have some serious hatred for Jawan Howard. The, I, I think the guy's a clown. The, the guy is a total clown, like, threatening to kill Mark Turgeon at the Big Ten tournament last year because he wouldn't stay in his coaching box and Turgeon was mad about it. And this guy who is a full foot shorter than you and 10 years older is quote-unquote charging you. And like, I've seen a picture of Greg Gard and Mark Turgeon standing next to each other. They're about the same height. 
So Jawan Howard is also a full foot taller than Greg Gard. Like, why are you afraid of them? I think you're younger than both of them, too. And rightly so, uh, for attempting to start a brawl, actually successfully starting a brawl where it looked like he tried to... It was, it was very weird because he started winding up with his hand balled up into a fist. As he got closer, he realized, maybe I shouldn't do this. So he opened his hand up and kind of turned it into a slap. But as he was pulling his hand away, he started to ball it back up to a fist. It, it looked like he was trying to rip the guy's face off. Which is even weirder. And... And of course, he has been suspended for the rest of the regular season. Michigan's firmly on the bubble. So unless they make a miracle run in the Big Ten tournament, I really don't see them getting in. Like, they've had... Like, they're, the Big Ten's a very good conference, but it's kind of top-heavy. Like, it's, it's a little on the top-heavy side. Because, like... Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, I can't believe I'm about to say this, Rutgers and Michigan State are all, like, reasonably good. Like, then you get Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, they're okay. Penn State is... Then Penn State, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota, and Nebraska are just straight up not good. Like, the Big Ten is down compared to recent years, but for the past, like, 10 years, the Big Ten's been the best conference in the country. So they're... They're going to have an occasional down year. But, like, I think the Big Ten gets six teams in, and right now it's their top six. Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan. I think I think those are your six that get in to the tournament this year from the Big Ten. And a league of 14 getting six members to the dance is pretty good. Especially when... Five of those members are uh, steaming hot garbage, are all well under 500, and just, you know, generally not good. Like, Nebraska's 1-14 in the Big Ten. They're 7-19 overall. Like, that's, that's not good. But, like, Michigan has... Michigan's schedule is, uh, and some of their results are questionable at best. Like, sure, they beat the crap out of Maryland, but, like, they lost to Rutgers. They lost to UCF. Heck, they lost to Minnesota. They lost to UNC. I mean, everyone loses to Arizona. That's fine. They lost to Seton Hall. Seton Hall aren't amazing this year, but they're pretty they're pretty good. Like they're right in the middle of the pack of the big East. So they're okay, but still that's not a great look for them. Like looking at their resume, I just don't see how you let this team in. I, I genuinely do not see how you let this team into the tournament. I, I think, I think the committee stops at Michigan state with the big 10. And unless they go, what, what do they have left? Who's their, uh, Who's, who's their remaining schedule is uh, is the question. Out, so outside of the Big Ten tournament, they have Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State. <sighs> Without their head coach, that's going to be a tough stretch. They can maybe beat Rutgers at home. They aren't beating Illinois at home because Michigan State's better than them and they couldn't. Maybe they beat Michigan State at home just because it's a rivalry game. They're lucky that four of their next five games and actually their next four games are all at home. They only have one road game left in the regular season, and that's the finale at Ohio State on March 6th. But they got a game like every four days, too. So this is going to be a really tough stretch for them, especially without their head coach. They they maybe go two and three here. I, I think they 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 win against Rutgers and Iowa. 
and then they lose to Illinois, Michigan State, and Ohio State. That that's my prediction. And unless they go on a big run in the Big Ten tournament, like I said, I don't think that's enough. I, I really don't. But we'll see. Stranger things have happened. I mean, Syracuse has gotten in the past few years when they when they didn't deserve it just because of their name. So maybe maybe Michigan will too. But this was the big this was this was the big one on Monday night. Baylor at Oklahoma State. This was this was an incredible game. This one came down to the wire. And Oklahoma State had a shot go in that beat the game buzzer significantly. Like it significantly beat the game buzzer. The the ball was in the air for a good two seconds before the game buzzer went off but it missed the shot clock because it was one of those weird situations where it was timed out just perfectly that there was enough time left on the game clock to keep the shot clock on after, after it reset. So Oklahoma state got a shot clock violation because by like a split second, they didn't get it off in time. But it went completely over the backboard and in, and that 100% should have counted. Like, I don't, like, sure. Is it technically a shot clock violation? Yes. Like, the shot clock hit zero, and the little ant, because they are different. The shot clock buzzer is more of an ant, and the game buzzer is an ant. Like, two different noises. Like shot clock is more of an actual buzzer. Game clock is a horn. If uh, if if you want to describe what they actually sound like when you're in the building, and yeah, it didn't beat the shot clock, but only by like a fraction of a second. Honestly, if I were the refs, I would be like, "Did the shot clock go off before he got the shot off?" Yes. Should that matter? No, because that was a really freaking cool shot. And it'd be a big moment for Oklahoma State. Now, that would have been the game winner, but game was tied, so they still have a chance in overtime. And then, of course, uh, overtime is not the friend of the underdog, and Baylor comes away with a two-point win. I mean, sure, Baylor is defending national champions. They're still a top 10 team in the country, just outside the top five. Scott Drew is still a really good coach and they still have a chance to make a run in the tournament this year, but I don't know. I, I think that shot should have counted just solely based on the rule of cool. Like, okay, that looked awesome. And this place will go batshit when we rule that shot good. It's worth it. Like, sure, Baylor fans will be pissed, but they might win another national championship this year. How long are they really going to care? Like it, to me, it would have been worth it to, to give Oklahoma state that shot just to, and if you want to call it bid collusion, you can call it bid collusion. <laughs> Cause that would be, that would be a big enough win for a team that is like just barely 500 to probably get into the tournament or at least, uh, or at least help them significantly. like significantly help their case, but we'll see the The big 12 is weird. Cause much like the big 10, it's also really top heavy. I, I think it, I think it's slightly deeper than the big 10, which is hilarious. Cause they only have 10, but like, let, let's just look at the big 12 standings. Yeah. Yeah. The big, the big 12 is, uh, mm, yeah, the Big 12 is deeper because once you get to once you get to fourth place, everyone's hovering right around 500 in, in conference play. Like Kansas and Baylor and Texas Tech are all well above 500. Texas is eight and six. And then TCU six and seven, Kansas State six and eight, Oklahoma State six and nine. And, and then Oklahoma and West Virginia are just not good. Like West Virginia is not making the tournament this year. Three and 11 in the big 12 is not enough. 
But I think I think maybe with a decent run in the Big Twelve tournament, Oklahoma State could get in. I think I think the Big Twelve maybe gets I think the Big Twelve maybe gets five this year. Which is good. That's half their league. But that's I they're somehow both more top heavy and deeper than the Big Ten. I don't know how that works, but that just feels like the only way I could describe the Big 12. Because, like, there's more okay teams, but the good teams are so much better than everyone else. Like, it's hard to judge. But I got to show my bias here because I've been good about it all season. Darius McGee is one of the best freaking players in the country. The dude has had six straight games over 20 points. Now, I know, A-Sun competition is not amazing. But when you have one guy who is so impossible to defend that he has a threat to shoot the second he crosses half court, like, I have seen that man pull up from just inside half court and hit only the net. It has happened. It happened on Monday night against Central Arkansas. Again, Central Arkansas, not a great team. Their court's pretty cool, though. I do actually like their court. Like, the the gray and the purple, it, for some reason, looks good. I don't normally like courts like that, but theirs works. But this man, this man stands all of, like, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, if we're being generous. And can can dunk over people significantly taller than him. And, you know, just regularly drops 20 and 30 bombs. Like, let, let's just see. Let's just see Liberty's last last few games. Okay, Central Arkansas, he dropped 34. Stetson, uh, 39. So two games, two games in a row over 30. Uh, the loss at North Florida, which was embarrassing, but you know, whatever, uh, 28, uh, Jacksonville, this was Jacksonville was 30. So that's what three out of the last four games. He's dropped over 30, went over Lipscomb 29. So he came really close there. Went over Eastern Kentucky. Uh, this was the one where he didn't do as, oh no, he, (laughs) he had a bad game in this one. He only dropped 21. And then Belmarine, I think he went off in this one. Uh, oh, Belmarine was his bad game. Belmarine, he had 13. But that was when, uh, that that was more of a balanced game than, uh, than the others. And Belmarine's defense is just really bad. But the man is a freak of nature. And I mean, the secret's out at this point. But I remember when he first started playing, like, other teams, especially not in the conference, weren't aware of the fact that he could dunk because he's so short. And then he was dunking over the 6'5 guys. And, of course, being a college student at the time and sitting in, the like, the rowdiest part of the student section, we all went nuts. Because he's just so much fun to watch. Like, he's rapidly climbing up the, the school's scoring list. Like, two weeks ago... He wasn't top 10. On Monday, he took sole possession of number seven. Like two weeks ago, he wasn't in the top 10. That is the scoring pace this man is dropping 20 and 30 bombs at. So, uh, as a Liberty fan talking to everyone else, uh, I'm sorry if your team has to play Liberty in the first round and you aren't prepared for Darius McGee. Because he's going to drop a lot of points on you. And I don't feel bad. Because let's go Flames. But that's what I got for uh, college basketball. My, my fa- Literally my favorite time of the year. And uh, up next we'll get into the last weekend of Major 1 qualifiers in the Call of Duty League. It's coming up next here on the mashup. All right, time for some COD League. Big switch, I know, but if you've listened to the show for any extended period of time, 
you know, that's kind of how this show rolls. Cod League, we are done with qualifiers for the for the first major at Esports Arena Arlington, hosted by Optic Texas. Uh, there's some interesting matchups. I will talk about them more in detail next week, but the field is set. Winner's bracket round one, Atlanta Phase versus Boston Breach. Texas Optic, Texas Optic, Optic Texas versus Seattle Surge. I hate that they can't just do it correctly. London Royal Ravens versus LA Gorillas, LA Thieves versus Toronto Ultra. That's going to be fun. And let's be honest, Phase versus Optic in winner's round two will as well. And then Mutineers, Legion, Rocker, and Subliners await await the losers of Atlanta, Boston, Optic, Seattle, London, LAG, and Toronto Thieves. All in that order. They, they await the losers of those matchups in the first elimination round. And those are good. I was going to say, I was like, are all those games Friday now? The, the winner's round games are on Thursday. Uh, first elimination round games are Friday. And then the rest of the tournament continues through the weekend. Okay. That makes more sense. I was like, are all eight of those games on Friday? Because that would suck. But no, there's four games on Friday, Thursday, uh, five games on, four games on Thursday, five games on Friday, one, two, three, two, three, four, five on Friday, and then four on Sunday. Okay. So yeah, basic, basic COD League tournament format, but we are not here to talk about that. That is next week. We are here to talk about this past weekend. And... Uh, this is, um, trying to figure this one out because, uh, I didn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect that first result on Saturday at all. Uh, I did not expect Florida to three Oh Seattle. Uh, Seattle's been slumping in their last two games. Like they were, they were on a roll. Like they were on a roll. They, they beat Toronto and then. Like they had they had a tough time with Minnesota, who are not a great team at the moment. They're in losers bracket. Then they get beat by Florida pretty convincingly. And then they go and lose to London. And London kind of London kind of walloped them. Like the only one that was close was control, but it was Gavutu. And like that's the map where you're basically guaranteed to go to game five because everyone just keeps winning their defensive rounds. Like no one wins an offensive round on Gavutu control. That map sucks. <laughs> that that map sucks for control and you can't tell me otherwise. It's, it's the new garrison where it's like, oh yeah, you're just guaranteed to win your defensive rounds on this map. That's, that's just how it goes. That's how the map's set up. So I'm, I'm a little concerned for uh for Seattle but at the same time they've also got two rookies playing in the CDL for the first time so it's such a toss up and they have they have a really tough first round match like they have a really tough first round match they're going up against Optic in Optic's home arena I mean, any arena the CDL hosts an event at is going to be Optic Optic's home arena just because of the nature of the green wall and the fact that city-based teams outside of Minnesota have mostly failed. Like, city-based teams that aren't Minnesota Rocker. Like, Minnesota has built an awesome fan base in in their home market. And they deserve props for that. But they're really the only one who has. Because every, every other event is just taken over by Optic fans. And, like, Atlanta Faze had a decent decent crowd for their homestand back in 2020 but again that was pre-rona was two years ago at this point but i think i think atlanta phase has a decent fan base just by virtue of being phase and you know atlanta helps because there there was a decent fan base already there that was like oh we get to be phased cool i'm in like minnesota was the first original brand because like version one did not create Minnesota rocker version one spawned out of Minnesota rocker being successful. There's a big difference. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm concerned for Seattle. I think they're probably going to drop to losers and then who do they get? Who do they get if they, who do they get if they lose? Which they probably will. Oh, they get Paris. Oh, they'll be, they'll be fine if they drop down to losers bracket. They'll, they'll be fine at least for that, that first match. Cause they're going to be playing Paris and they are significantly better than Paris. Like by leaps and bounds. <laughs> Paris is one of the worst teams in the league. That much is clear. The teams I can't get a read on right now are London and LAG. I have no clue if they're good or not because London went and beat Seattle. But Seattle's kind of slumping. And then LAG's only like really notable win is against London. So it's very hard to judge because like they've lost to Minnesota. They beat London. They lost to Toronto, but so do a lot of people. They beat New York, but New York is terrible this year. They they did get their first win. They got their first win in five against uh in five against Boston on Saturday, but yeah. Boston, same thing. Like they have methods and a bunch of young guys. Like and and that was the big help. They got defense round five on Gavutu control, so they won. Why do more teams not ban out Gavutu? That map is awful. <laughs> it's just whoever gets defense. It's just a matter of getting enough kills to get defense in round five. Like no one is trying to actually win their attacking rounds. You're just trying to get enough kills and outslay the other team so you can get defense for round five. And at that point, you're basically just guaranteed to win. Yeah, I really hate that map, if you couldn't tell. I also don't like Berlin for hardpoint. It's too big, but that's that's its own separate complaint. Yeah, this is... This has been an interesting start to the season because it's very clear LA Thieves are really good, which I like because they were not good last year. They were very not good last year, so I'm glad they're good this year. Because they, uh, their only loss right now is to Atlanta. So, yeah, I'll take that. They got kind of, they got kind of brained by Atlanta. Because, you know, the, the, the last two maps were, were not pretty. Like, even though it's Tuscan, if you get 3-0'd in control, and you almost get doubled up on Bocage hardpoint, home of ridiculously close hardpoint matches. Like that, that's not a great look, but at least it happened against Atlanta. So I, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see where we go from here because major still a week away. Got, got some very good potential matchups and we're going to have a crowd, which is even better because starting off with kickoff classic with a crowd and then going back to online has sucked. So like, yeah, give me, even if it's going to be like 85 plus percent green wall, like give me something. E even if it will be 80, which is probably considering it's technically a homestand for them. Like it's probably going to be 85 to 90% green wall. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Cause I mean, optic, Optic are a monster brand in esports. Like, think about it this way. Envy signed a Halo team, then bought Optic, and even though they are the parent company, rebranded their Halo team to Optic. Heck, their Valorant team rebranded to Optic too. Like, Envy is the parent company, yet most of their teams have rebranded to Optic. That's how monumentally massive of a brand Optic Gaming is. It's... Like, they're just that big. 100 Thieves are getting there, but they didn't start off in the CDL. So they have they have some pushback. And, you know, it, it'd be nice if it was easier to buy LA Thieves merch. Ugh, that, that's, that's just me complaining. But overall, had some good, had some really good matches this weekend. Like, sure, there were a couple, there were a couple blowouts, but like, 
not really. Like, sure, there were a couple, there were a couple sweeps on Friday. You, you had, you had two out of the three games on Friday were sweeps, and the first game on Friday wasn't all that in doubt. <laughs> you know, the whole LA Thieves versus Paris thing. But I'm I'm glad they won. I'm glad they beat Paris. But yeah, uh, I know not too much to talk about this week because I want to do actual predictions for the major next week. But yeah, it was it was a good weekend. It was a good round of qualifiers. But I'm I'm ready to go back to the back to land and have a crowd. And hopefully, uh, the pros don't uh, the pros who are all vaccinated uh, don't don't bitch and complain about a crowd being there when uh they all test positive in in the next couple of weeks just because like con crud has been a thing forever but that's what i got for the cdl i know the show's light on content today but not a whole lot has happened so uh we'll get into uh literally everything else i think is worth talking about and uh and wrap up the show it's coming up next here on the mashup all right, going to be a shorter show today because, you know, holiday weekend, not a whole lot crazy happened. But I have some opinions about things that happened or I did that I wanted to get out there and uh, they didn't really fit anywhere else. So I'm sticking them here at uh, the end of the show, as is tradition. Obviously, the big thing that doesn't really connect to anything else because, you know, we're still two months away from Kansas City, but... Optic Halo has a new roster member, and I think we all saw this coming a mile away the second he announced he was coming back to Halo. Formal is now an official member of the Optic Halo roster, taking the place of I Got Your Pistola. Which is interesting, because Optic needs a guy to play OBJ, like, just be like a heavy objective player. And that's not really formal's game. Like formal, at least on the halo side, like he, he played objective a lot more in COD, but the way COD flows versus the way halo flows are two very different games. Despite both being like the most popular first person shooters, two decades running going on their third at this point. Like, they they play a lot differently, and on the Halo side of things, Formal's always been more of a slayer. But hopefully, he can uh, he he can light a fire under this Optic team's ass. Uh, we, like I said, this was kind of bound to happen at some point. It was just a matter of who he was going to replace. Because like uh, Formal playing anywhere but Optic feels wrong on just every conceivable level like him playing with sentinels at raleigh and knocking optic out of the tournament was a great like heel like wrestling heel moment which is hilarious because an actual wrestling heel showed up to that event not a couple hours later shout out to adam cole for playing in the big team battle i was legitimately surprised by that but it was really fun like, the best wrestling heel moment of the weekend was not when the actual wrestling heel showed up. It was formal talking smack after he eliminated Optic. But then, like, watch the Vision episode, and he felt really bad about it. He's like, oh, crap. I I just beat these guys, and now they're going home. And, like, I'm friends with them. I'm technically, I'm in a way their teammate just not right now <laughs> and he said like they're wearing their sunday whites i know what that means and like like he felt really bad about it but in the moment you could tell he was hyped but like I- i'm glad he's back i'm glad he's back where he belongs and and now maybe <laughs> maybe cloud nine will have some competition because sentinels with formal we're like the only team that even kind of put up a fight against cloud nine at Raleigh. 
So maybe maybe Optic with Formal will uh will be able to put up a fight against Cloud9. I mean, Cloud9 are clearly the best team in the world right now. And until proven otherwise, it's not really all that close. So we'll see we'll see how Kansas City goes in a, in about two months. Like Next week, we're two months out from Kansas City because it's the it's the last weekend of April. So we uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I'm definitely look. I I if you listen to this show, you know I'm looking forward to that. But we'll uh, we'll see how things go come Kansas City. Hopefully, there will be a crowd there. Like I think there will be because if TwitchCon, which takes place in San Diego, California, is saying hey. We're happening this year in October. Mark your calendars now. Like, shout out to TwitchCon. Welcome back. Uh, I am accepting applications for the TwitchCon squad now. Um, That is only going out to my actual friends. But, you know, like, guys, let's let's squad up and go to TwitchCon. How, how about it? But... Yeah, that's I, I'm very much looking forward to uh, both of those events if I can actually make it out to TwitchCon. I'm just planning things with like no real actual way of getting there. But hey, throwing it out there, throwing it out there into the universe. Maybe I can get a group together and we could all split the cost of a trip to TwitchCon. But back on the back on the sports front, because this was interesting. Over the weekend, it got announced that uh, the new new XFL, which will resume play after their 2020 season came to a grinding freaking halt. And uh, they didn't come back last year or this year because they didn't have time to plan. The new, new XFL, which will begin its second attempt at a revival next spring, has announced that they are partnering with the NFL as a proving ground for players, coaches, refs, and the big one, rule changes. And if the X, if the NFL adopts any aspects of the XFL's production, as far as like putting a camera in the replay booth and, and sideline interviews were fun. I don't care what anyone says. Sideline interviews were fun. Like, Guy scores a touchdown or makes a big play on defense. Once once he's back on the sideline, you throw down to the reporter talking to him. Like, I think that's genius. That was that was one of the most genius aspects of uh XFL 2020's broadcast. I hope they continue doing that, and I hope uh maybe the NFL sees the wisdom in that. And partially because Bill Belichick would absolutely hate it. Like, I think that would be really funny. <laughs> Like someone, I don't remember where I saw it. It was just in one of my Discord servers. Someone said uh, the NFL and the XFL should have a promotion relegation system and get the get the Patriots dropped down to the XFL. I was just like, oh my God, Bill Belichick would hate that. There's cameras everywhere. They're interviewing people during the game. Bill Belichick would absolutely hate the modern XFL. He would hate the original XFL even more because that was, you know, just Vince McMahon's idea of, and not just Vince McMahon, late nineties, early two thousands, Vince McMahon, his idea of what football should be. Yeah. Let's, let's not talk about the original XFL. That was a mess. The, the new XFL is, is infinitely superior. The football was better. The broadcast was better. And like, hey, some of the original XFL's innovations, like the wire cam that that looked like it was from Madden, that got picked up by the NFL. Uh, they never did. They never did the camera guys in hockey pads getting right into the middle of the play. But that would be that would be fun to bring back. <laughs> we don't need to do some of the other stuff, like uh, camera guys getting knocked out and having a dream sequence of them in the cheerleaders' locker room. We, we maybe don't need to do that. But, like, bring back some of the actual, like, mics everywhere, cameras everywhere. Bring that back. That's That was 
absolutely genius. And, and now we go back to nerd stuff. Don't let the critics tell you otherwise. The Uncharted movie was good. Okay, I saw it. I saw it on Monday. And I was highly entertained. Was it a groundbreaking movie that redefined the action genre? No. But I don't want that from Uncharted. The Uncharted games themselves have never been all that groundbreaking. They've just been really good. Like, sure, are they... Are they to the level of quality for movies that Uncharted is for games? No. But Uncharted has never been super realistic. Like, play some of the Uncharted games and tell me that's realistic. It's really not. Like, you got some over-the-top, goofy fun with a little bit of, like, actual history sprinkled in. You got, you got the multiple villains... You got Nate and Sully. You've got the girl, because there's always the girl. In this in the movie, it was Chloe instead of Elena. That's fine. Like, he knew Chloe before he knew Elena, so all good there. They they didn't tease Elena though. I thought they would. I, I won't I won't spoil who they did tease, but if you see the movie, it's it's pretty obvious who they're gonna tease at the end. <laughs> I was hoping it would just be like Nate and Sully watching TV and they would see Elena on there because Elena was on a like that. That's actual lore of the games. Like Elena was on a totally not survivor show. And then she leveraged her, her 15 minutes of fame into like hosting her own show and then became a legit reporter. And then just like join Nate in her in his quest to be a like a famous archaeologist like it, it was a good story arc for her. So I, they did leave it open for a sequel. I hope we get Elena in the sequel because I think she's a great character. And I didn't hate Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg as Nate and Sully. I, I really didn't. Like, sure, the maybe Mark Wahlberg would have been a better Nate just based on the fact that, that Nate's a little bit older than Tom Holland is for, you know, most of the games. Like, like Nate's well into his 30s, even in the first game, and he's even older by Uncharted 4. But, like, it's fine. I, I like Tom Holland. I thought he was a really good Nathan Drake. He, he captured the attitude perfectly. Uh, it was a PG-13 movie, so they couldn't get away with as much of his constant swearing, but... I mean, the games are T-rated, so they, they had a little bit in there. But they, they definitely got the sarcasm, which was all I'm really looking for from Nathan Drake. And, and he 100% looked the part. Like, the the costume design did a great job making him look like Nathan Drake. Had the sick part of his Magna ring, like, that was, that was really good. And I'm okay spoiling this because it's such a minor plot beat, but... The, the Nolan North cameo was really funny. Like, the, the Nolan North cameo was incredible. I was the only person in the theater who laughed at it. But I, I thought it was really good. <laughs> like, I, I enjoyed the Nolan North cameo. It was... It was good. It, and it was... It didn't distract from the plot too much. It was all of a few seconds. and And I got a good laugh out of it. And, and the big one, this past weekend, uh, Horizon Forbidden West released, and um, oh my god, that game is really good. That game is really freaking good, guys. <laughs> like, I enjoyed the hell out of the first one. Like, a review of that, like, I used that game, I used a review I wrote of that game for a college class project as part of like a larger thing where I was producing and hosting a TV show. I used a review of that game as part of it. And I, and I binge played it not because I needed to get a review done in time, but also be, I mean, yeah, I did do that because I needed to finish it. So I had like enough material to do an actual review of this game that I really enjoyed. But like, Forbidden West might be better than Zero Dawn. 
Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games of 2017. <laughs> and it did not get the love it deserved because it came out the same week as Breath of the Wild. So it, it kind of got lost in the open world adventure where the main character's primary, one of their primary weapons is a bow and arrow. It, it kind of got lost in the shuffle of that a little bit. But I have, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, Horizon Forbidden West so far. And if you want to see me play through it, there will be a link in the show description to uh, the playlist on my YouTube channel. But that's what I got for the show this week. I know it was a little bit shorter. It was it was a holiday weekend, so there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll kind of get the ramp going as we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday and tournament time. But that's what I got for this week. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoyed the rest of your week. And uh, talk to you guys next Wednesday. See you then.